edition of Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network, live from our downtown Nashville 6th and Peabody Studios. With Old Smoky Moonshine and Yeehaw Beer, I'm Chad Withrow. Jonathan Hutton will be back on Monday. Show's been rocking and rolling so far. we got special guest co-host Michael McHenry, former Major League Baseball catcher. He's up in Pittsburgh joining us. Coming up in about 20 minutes, Michael Bratton, SEC Mike. He's going to join us to talk a little college football live in studio. Want to talk a little baseball, though, right now, and specifically Ellie De La Cruz, who has been an absolute sensation so far, Michael, with his play for the Cincinnati Reds. He also riled up the uh, Washington Nationals recently when uh, their manager, Dave Martinez, went out to look at his bat. Uh, We can get into specifics about the sensor that was on his bat and what he was looking at and something that he thought looked odd on it. He struck out that at bat, but the next time up, Ellie De La Cruz launched a 459-foot homer, and he looked back at the Nationals' dugout and said, you want to check the bat again? I thought it was great. I thought it was funny. I can understand why you'd be pissed off if you're the other team or you're the other manager. I would be mad too if I were them. But for everyone else, I thought it was great. What do you think of the whole situation? Well, first off, the umpires need to know the rules, right? What's allowed on a bat, how far the pine tar can go up. All those things need to be set in stone. We have too much gray, especially all these new rules. That was a blast motion sensor on the end. It reads... A lot of different things, very similar to what you see on a game with StatCast. That gives it to Ailey Cruz, his agent, and the team personally so he can get it in real time for himself because sometimes it's hard to get the stuff from MLB. I thought it was great by Davey to go out. He iced the kicker, right? Cruz ended up striking out, but I absolutely loved what Cruz did. Hit a ball literally to Mars and then points at that sensor and gets everyone fired up. They end up sweeping the Nationals. And Jack Wilson was talking about their record, 19-6 and six since he's been up. He's been remarkable on what he's been able to do to re-energize that team, re-energize that city. And even Votto's on board. He said the other day, I'm hip, I'm cool. He pulled his hat around backwards, untucked his shirt. And that's what it's doing. They're creating a brand all around these young players in Cincinnati. De La Cruz leading the way. I mean, he's a stat cast baby. He's doing some things that just normal humans don't. We talked a lot last year about the Cruz from Pittsburgh, who's just an abnormality. When you think about a shortstop at 6'7", this guy is a team-first guy, turned down the uh, home run derby because he wants to focus on his team and trying to get to the playoffs. Also moved over from shortstop to third base, threw the ball 96 across the diamond just the other day. This guy is remarkable. If you have not seen him, make sure you grab some popcorn, maybe some White Castle, and watch this guy play because it is is very, very special. You never know what you're going to see because he's a dynamic player in every attribute, defense, offense, base running, all of it. No, he's remarkable. And for the Mm. untrained eye, help us out here, Michael, because it does look odd when you see him with that on his bat. But even Dave Martinez says, yeah, I know what the device is. I had just never seen it looking like that on a bat. So I wanted to go check it out while he was uh, uh, up at up at bat. There's some gamesmanship involved here also, but does his sensor look different than others that you're seeing? And are you buying what Martinez is saying? I'll go with Davey here because it, Martinez goes out there and he, he's like, what is that? You haven't seen that in the major leagues. They do it a lot in the minor leagues. They like to keep up with it in-house. It's a very easy device to use. There's a couple different ones. There's diamond kinetics. There's blast motion of the two kind of preferred by MLB teams. This one is 
normal. That's what you see. And with all the different types of things that are going on with bats, it's almost turned into a golf club. They have the puck knob. They have the huge knob with the big flare. There's a lot of things that guys can look at and be like, what's going on? I mean, that was unheard of four or five years ago. Now I feel like they're opening up the door for a lot of different things. They always want the data. You have guys wearing sensors underneath their Jersey. There's a lot of things going on. This was no different. It's just something new to major leagues. This guy's young. He's been doing this since he was a pup in the minor leagues. He's probably just gotten used to it. So he puts it on every single day and he can really see, Hey, how's my bat path? How's my attack angle? Am I staying through it? Is my bat speed up to par? It's a lot of good for the player individually, because a lot of times these teams in major league baseball don't share the information, which is a shame, but now he can keep up with it on his own. His agent can, and make sure that, Hey, he's healthy. The movements are clean. And he's make sure to really make sure he's on top of his game. Cause that's all that really matters when you think about the business side of it. So MLB All-Star break is coming up next week. They'll be playing the All-Star game in Seattle. To me, it's always synonymous with the slowest sports time of the year. You get that one day after the All-Star game where there's nothing going on. Got the home run derby the day before during All-Star break. Um, I don't think it's that close when you look at other All-Star games. To me, this is the one that people, at least traditionally, have cared about more. Um, it's the best that's out there. And I think it's the best, Michael, because the gameplay doesn't change, right? They're playing baseball. It's just the best players in the world playing a game of baseball. It's not like a pitcher's going out there and suddenly throwing 65 miles per hour instead of 95 miles per hour. And that's the difference. When you go to the NBA All-Star game, it's a bunch of guys playing 60 miles per hour and not, well, in NBA, it's probably 80, 80 miles per hour. They would normally be playing, not 100. But you get my point. The game doesn't really change much in this game. Yeah, it's not lopsided. I mean, when you watch the NFL, NBA, a bunch of different sports, it becomes lopsided. It's very offensive-oriented. When you go watch this game, you're watching two teams compete against each other for bragging rights, for home field advantage. There's a lot that goes into it. You want to win. And that's kind of how they construct these teams, especially when they get down to that player vote. They're trying to pick the best players, guys that maybe – deserved to be on the team that didn't get in that fan vote. I love that the fans get the first option and then they kind of trickle it down, but yeah, they've done a really good job and there's a lot of talk. I want to get your thought on this, Chad. There's a lot of talk doing U S versus world because of how well the world BCA was and represented. I think it'd be really neat, especially when you think about the AL and it's the same league. Now we're playing against each other. I think it would be really neat to see something like that. And, the intense focus they would have to play in that, knowing that they're representing their country, I think would kind of raise the bar even more. It's good now. I think it'd be great then. I think it's awesome. Like a Ryder Cup style almost yeah. type format for this game. Um, I also think that in baseball, American League and National League matter less and less right. because of the DH in both. But the changes now to the schedule – I mean, when I was a kid, I don't want to sound like an old man here, but you know, you could you could have a National League team, an American League team, and they could never play in your lifetime, right? Before right. they started playing across the way, and and you know, you didn't have a World Series against the other one. That could theoretically happen. Now you play everyone every year, so it's much more to me about regionality and not a, an, an allegiance to one league or the other. So if it's that way, then yeah. What 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 do you care about AL versus NL? Just make it world versus American-born players. I think that'd be a lot of fun. I'm with you. I, I do too. Yeah, they've they've kind of merged the leagues together. And when you took away the, when you brought in the DH and the NL and the pitchers not hitting more, I mean, you've really changed the whole dynamic of 
what baseball has been for a long time. And now that they all play each other, it just makes sense. And especially the response, to the world baseball classic was so good. I mean, watching Otani and trout go at it teammates, one from Japan, one from America, they called him captain America. I thought that was brilliant. I mean, it's unbelievable how that response was from fans. And I feel like it was a big reason why all the numbers are up. I know the rule changes, everything else that's happened in the league, but that kind of kickstarted everything during spring training when, you know, a lot of times baseball is not even talked about, you know, teams don't even uh, show their games on their network. They're worried about whether it's NFL, college football, college basketball, you have everything going on. They actually pulled really good numbers. And I think that kind of shows where it could go. David Bednar is a guy, you know, Michael, uh, Pittsburgh pirate. He is going to be in the all-star game, going to pitch in the all-star game. A uh, really cool moment where uh, – two really cool moments we're going to discuss here on the positive side. One is when he found out that, that he is going to be in the All-Star game. Here is that video. It's going to happen. David Bednar is an All-Star. Yeah! There's only been one replacement for the National League. You are the single replacement as of now for the National League. Love you guys. Thank you guys. Uh, we're gonna need a couple more of these if uh, you know you guys are gonna help me with this. So, uh, <laughs> so a really cool moment there, Michael. Uh, you know that clubhouse well. Uh, breaking the news that you're gonna be an All Star as the the lone replacement. Really, really neat to see. And on top of that, David Bednar showing the type of guy he is decides because he's in the game because Clayton Kershaw will not be in the game that he leaves some of uh, Pittsburgh's finest beer for Clayton Kershaw and leaves it for him with a handwritten note saying, here's some of Pittsburgh's finest, and signed from David Bednar. Really, really cool moment. Great gesture. And Michael says a lot about Bednar, also says a lot about the respect across the league for a guy like Clayton Kershaw. You're exactly right. And it was a shame that he wasn't voted in originally. I mean, you're talking about a guy with a one three three. ERA, 16 saves. I know he's in Pittsburgh, but he's Pittsburgh born. And you'll appreciate this. His walkout song, Sticks, Renegade. So we call him the Renegade. He's a juggernaut. When he hits you, it feels like you got hit by a bowling ball that happens to be a hand. This guy's a special human being. He does a lot in the community. He does a lot for the city of Pittsburgh. And for him to represent not just the Pittsburgh Pirates, but the city of Pittsburgh is really, really important for Major League Baseball and this franchise here. I love that it happened, and that is who he is to a T. I mean, he's not putting on a show. A lot of times guys will try to create a brand or be something they're not. This guy's the same guy every single day. He has not changed when he made the All-Star team last year. He's not going to change because he made the All-Star team this year. He goes out, he puts on his pale hat, grabs his lunchbox, and runs out there ready to go, and he'll take the ball every single day. So love that he made the All-Star team. I hope Kershaw popped that can and tried that icy light. It's no yeehaw. Mind you, it's no U-Haul, but it is very, very good. Pittsburgh staple, and I hope he enjoyed it. This guy is a beaut, and I hope America learns to understand how cool Bednar is and how great of a person he is. See, this has me wanting to go or, go to the bar and order a cerveza now here from Yeehaw. Right? Don't you want a beer right now? It's, a, it's about the weekend. It's almost the weekend. So uh, I absolutely want that right now. Um, really cool story. Cool to share some positive news like that. Um, not so positive news for Jeff Van Gundy. And Chris Mad Dog Russo, according to him, he is claiming that Jeff Van Gundy was not the choice from ESPN uh, to be laid off, that the NBA had something to do with this. And I think that Chris Russo knows something. 
does mm-hmm. a lot of work with ESPN, knows a lot of people, knows a lot of people in the NBA, and Jeff Van Gundy has been known to be super critical and very honest when the officials are bad. He's been super critical about load management across the league. Uh, he will get on players, get on coaches, get on the league oftentimes, and there could be someone harboring some bad feelings towards him that when ESPN went to their partner in the NBA and talked about their eventual layoffs, the NBA could have come back and said, nope, let's not make it Mark Jackson. Let's make it this guy. Let's make it Jeff Van Gundy. Michael, I think there's probably some validity to these claims by Russo that it wasn't ESPN that wanted Van Gundy out. It was, in fact, the NBA. I completely agree. I feel like a lot of these leagues want to surround themselves with yes men. You know, fall in line or don't. And if you don't, you may be pushed out. I mean, there, there's some guys that have so much traction and so much uh, camaraderie around them that they're maybe not going to get pushed out. But yeah, it's a, it's a sad reality when you can't have good debate. You can't have guys that maybe disagree with what's going on in the league because they're probably speaking for the fans. And that should be the only thing that matters. What do the fans want? What are they saying? What 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 are they seeing? And make sure that you're maybe connecting with them a lot better, not the agenda that you have or the the talking points you want to create that seem to go over and over and over again and be cycled through every single show. People want different. They want to be in a bar talking to their boys in that type of conversation with the guys that are analyzing the game, that are hosting these shows on ESPN. They want to feel like they're a part of it just like they are when they're having a cerveza at the bar with their boys. What are they talking about there should be important to ESPN and anybody else talking about sports because it's literally the only thing that matters because they pay the bills. So Live Golf is uh, striking a deal with um, a network, a broadcast company that broadcasts events, broadcasts things through airports in North America. Reach TV is the name of this company. They're also in a bunch of hotel rooms across the United States and, and Canada. Um, I got to be honest, I just thought I was watching TV TV when I was at the airport. I see oftentimes, you know, Fox News will be on or CNN or ESPN. That When you're in an airport, you'll see that on. I didn't know that we needed a special channel for uh, airport viewing, but Reach TV apparently is that special channel. Live is going to partner with them. I don't know how much it's going to help viewership of Live. They stopped releasing the information after one weekend. It's not good with CW, hence why they're joining forces with PGA now uh, because no one's watching Live. Um, my big question now moving forward, though, Michael, is because PGA has made it more acceptable with their merger with Live, will we see the private investment fund of Saudi Arabia get involved with a Major League Baseball team or an NFL team or an NHL team or NBA team? Will they dive deeper into North America, specifically the United States, and get in a, a major pro sports league and own a team at some point. I think the PGA deal makes it more acceptable from the public standpoint, so it may just be a matter of time. Money talks, Chad. You know that. Yep. I mean, these people want to be invested into these sports teams. There's a reason why American uh, investors want to be in, uh, in F1, because there's a lot of money to be made, and that, that's what's going to do the talking. And, yes, you're going to see other countries – other billionaires try to get involved. It's not an easy game to get involved in. You have to have the right people around you, maybe even have the right network. But if they can, they're absolutely going to. I mean, just look at the growth in every major sport when it comes to, you know, what they're worth. You know, if you if you bought a 
baseball team 15 years ago, you have a return on investment you can't find anywhere else. I mean, it's remarkable how much money these guys have been making and they complain about the growth of the game and, and what, what's going on in the game. We need to change this. We need to change that. But the reality of it is they're still growing. All that complaining, they just want to make more money because money speaks and that's all they're focused on a lot of times. They don't need to forget about the fans, but yes, there's going to be a lot of money trying to get into these games, whether it's NBA, NFL, now even college sports, you look at that, it's wild. Just ask Mark Cuban why he doesn't talk about China and their human rights violation. It's all about this right here. It's all about the money. Mm -hmm. Mike Bratton's all about the college football knowledge. He's going to join us next. SEC Mike live in studio. That's coming up. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. We're back, Hot Mike, with Hutton and Withrow across the Outkick Network. I'm Chad Withrow. Time to talk a little football. Never a bad time to talk some football. Certainly never a bad time to talk some football with our buddy, Michael Bratton. You know him as SEC Mike, that SEC podcast. He's the host of that, and he joins us now. Uh, goes on with Paul Feinbaum quite a bit. He's a man about town. Uh, Mike, you walked in, you said, you know, I, I went on your podcast and you had good bourbon Yep. And then you walk in here and there's nothing. Uh, I blame Davey Hudson, our producer. That was going to be his job today, and he decided not to get you anything, so that's why there's nothing here. We'll remedy that during this next break. How about that? Thanks yeah, for coming in, man. Great. Yeah, this is a lot nicer than my mom's basement, so <laughs> yeah. this is great, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's a slight upgrade, you know? <laughs> it is amazing when people walk in here because we're in this enormous facility at 6th and Peabody. It's a full city block. Yeah. The people that watch the show said, man, I feel like it was going to be a lot bigger when I walked mm -hmm. in the studio, and I'm always thinking, the high ceilings really have that effect, where it feels like the space is going to be a lot bigger. You get in here, though, it's nice and cozy. It yeah. feels like home. That's what we're trying to create. The bar, like, you know, uh, you're at your mom's basement bar <laughs> atmosphere with the show. I hope we're succeeding in that regard. This has got to be the first show I've ever done with Bachelorette's literally six feet away from me. So it's an interesting setup you guys got here. It's a whole vibe. It's the whole vibe that we're gunning for every time. Bachelorette parties everywhere. It's a lot of fun. Last year was not a lot of fun for Texas A&M. And it seems to me that A&M is almost like the great experiment gone wrong mm -hmm. with that recruiting class and NIL and how much they were paying all the players that came in. And then it kind of showed itself to be above the market value for what you should do in an NIL recruiting class. And a lot of guys that they got, Michael, seemingly came there just for the money. They have a lot of defections. The whole offense with Jimbo Fisher is not working. And there seems to have been a reset. They hired Bobby Petrino in the offseason. Is this the reset needed for A&M? And will they deliver on expectations this year where they didn't a year ago? Well, you could ask me that this offseason. You could ask me that literally the last five offseasons. We've been saying this is the year for Texas A&M and Jimbo Fisher. And honestly, I think it could be. But I'm not putting a whole lot of money on it because I just don't think Jimbo Fisher is that good of a head coach. I mean, I maybe top eight in the SEC. He's paid like a top two coach in the SEC. He's been awful. But you, you referenced the key point there, bringing in the offensive coordinator, Bobby Petrino. I think that's huge for Texas A&M. I think Connor Wigman going into his second year as the, the quarterback there. He's not yet been named the starter, but I think he will be. And if he lives up to the hype, I think he's going to be the fifth best quarterback in the SEC this fall, Chad. So... Yes, I think this is the year for Texas A&M, and obviously the elephant in the room is Texas coming into the league. What happens if Texas wins the Big 12? A&M 
they should not make decisions based on what Texas does. But if Texas wins a Big 12, comes into the SEC with all this momentum, and A&M falls short yet again, I think you got to fire uh, Jimbo Fisher and get a quality coach in there. That is going to be a fun one to watch is Texas coming in into this conference and what that's going to look like with the animosity between those two programs uh, in that state. I, I can't, for one, cannot wait until that happens. Um, I don't know that Florida fans are saying, I can't wait about this upcoming season. A lot of questions at quarterback. They didn't get a lot out of a top five pick in Anthony Richardson, top three pick in the NFL draft, who kind of came on later in the season. Billy Napier seemingly is in a very uncomfortable spot going into this year. What do you think about expectations? What are your expectations for Florida? And how difficult could this get for Billy Napier if they don't overachieve in 2023? Well, I don't, my expectations are pretty low, Chad. It's You make a postseason, you've done something right if you're Billy Napier. And that's kind of sad to say in year two as the head coach of the Florida Gators. But And I say this, all jokes aside, they host Vanderbilt in the middle of the season. That's a must win. That's a game where you may fire your head coach if you lose to Vanderbilt. They lost to Vanderbilt last year. You said it. I mean, they, they dropped. They got Anthony Richardson drafted. Credit them. But I don't. he's not getting based. He didn't get drafted based on what he did on the field. Not at all. He's, he got drafted based on potential. And Billy Napier did not unlock that potential in Anthony Richardson. And now they've got Graham Mertz, who was a five-star in high school, never really got it done at Wisconsin. I have him rated, Chad, get this, as the, the 14th best starting quarterback in the SEC. So uh, it's not going to be Graham Mertz that gets them over the hump. It's going to be their defense and their running game. They changed the defensive coordinator to a guy 29 years old. It's sad to say, but Billy Napier's career is dependent on this defensive coordinator. If they do not turn that ship around this season, and oh yeah, Chad, next year, I know we don't want to look too far ahead, 11 Power 5 teams on Florida's schedule. They have the nation's toughest schedule by many metrics this fall. I think Billy Napier is, uh, I don't think he's going to make it. Michael, this is Michael McHenry. How are you doing? Michael, meet Michael. The two yeah, Michaels Michael, get together. Michael, yeah. Good to meet you, Michael. Yeah, uh, great to meet you. I, I want to talk about the portal. Uh, I'm more of a baseball guy, but these guys go in, it's like a dogfight to, to grab the best players. Where does the balance lie, especially with the SEC, with how good they are, to find the team-type mentality, guys that fit your philosophy, fit the team aspect, to just getting the best player? Because that's that's been something that's been really interesting to me. It, it's been something that's very intriguing to watch because not necessarily the best player these guys are grabbing. It seems like some teams are grabbing the best guy that fits their philosophy. Some guys are just trying to grab the best talent. What's your opinion on all that? All that? Well, I, for one, I love the transfer portal because what it has done, what people thought it was going to do was Alabama, Georgia, Ohio State was just going to pick apart the best players and reload their roster. But in reality, what it has done is it has allowed Tennessee under a new coach, Josh Heupel, Arkansas under Sam Pittman, uh, Ole Miss under Lane Kiffin, LSU under Brian Kelly. New coaches come in. They can turn over the roster quickly. I, I see your point. I mean, it, it is kind of a madhouse, but it's not as, 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 as bad as we thought it could be because most players got paid to stay where they were at, and most did not go into the transfer portal like we were all anticipating many would. Um, and that's why you see teams like Alabama desperately trying to get quarterbacks. They had to get a Notre Dame quarterback, Tyler Buckner, that lost his starting job. Uh, so 
I don't think it's quite the madhouse everybody makes it out to be, and I think it has really helped the middle tier in the SEC be more competitive so we don't have these rebuilding years. Yeah, it's uh, the market has leveled out for sure, I think, on, on NIL. So you bring up some great points there. Are we sleeping on K.J. Jefferson at Arkansas a little too much? I, I'm always – and I know you do the same thing, and you talk about this year-round, Michael, but – Always looking at that program that we're devaluing for whatever reason. It's not often, It's not always just devaluing. It's not talking about them, not not looking at them the way we should be. Is is Arkansas one of those programs in the SEC this year that we're not looking at the the proper way? I think so, Chad, because I think they got the best quarterback and running back combo and Rocket Sanders and KJ yeah. Jefferson, maybe in the country. So yeah, that's going to make them a factor in every game they play this fall. Uh, the problem for Arkansas is the defense was just dreadful. I mean, it was arguably the worst defense in the SEC. Barry Odom, who I got a ton of respect for, uh, just they didn't get the job done due to injuries. Now he's the head coach at UNLV, but that, that should tell you something about the, the level of respect Barry Odom has, that if that defense was that poor and he was able to, to get a head coaching job, now they're bringing in Travis Williams, a great recruiter from Central Florida, been with Gus Malzahn for a long time. The, the hopes of Arkansas season is going to rest on that defense because they couldn't stop a cold last fall. They've got to stop somebody. It's going to be nothing but shootouts, kind of like Tennessee was last year. But I, I, I agree with your point. I think most people are overlooking Arkansas. So when Josh Heupel got the job at Tennessee, I'll compare this to another program that just made a hire. I feel like a lot of Tennessee fans were, oh, this is the AD just bringing along his buddy that coached for him before. But then you looked at it, and it's like, oh, well, they're probably going to have a good offense, but who knows, can he recruit? You know, it was a very lukewarm response. But most people said, well, the offense will be better. They'll be more entertaining. That, that's, I think that was the, pretty much the down-the-middle response. I think Hugh Freeze gets a bit of a similar response at Auburn. I don't hear a lot of people saying, boy, this is going to suck. They're not going to get anything done. I also don't feel like there's a lot of – man, Hugh Freeze is going to go in there and set the world on fire and win a national championship at Auburn. Mm -hmm. I think the response has been kind of, yeah, did a pretty good job at Ole Miss, was able to beat Alabama a couple times. They also lost some games. They shouldn't lose while he was there. Yep. But the offense will be better. He knows how to coach quarterbacks. So it's going to be a more appealing style of football, and they're going to win to some extent. Am I off there? Or do you think that's been the reaction? What do you think will happen with him? That's why I like you, Chad. You know your stuff. I, I'm right there with you with Auburn and Hugh Freeze. Yes, everybody cites beat Alabama twice. That's true. Lost to Vanderbilt twice. One of the years they beat Alabama, they lost to Memphis. And this is not a great Memphis team by any means. He has a losing record as an SEC head coach. And people think that includes some kind of vacated wins. It does not. That's his overall record. So I think he's a good coach. I think he's essentially Gus Malzahn with baggage. That's what I like to call him. Hit or miss, you're going to have some great seasons, you're going to have some down seasons. And one thing I don't think people are looking enough about when they talk about Hugh Freeze, because he did a good job already in the transfer portal. They, they have a qualified coach leading that program. They didn't have that last year. But we all know the edge Hugh Freeze had at Ole Miss. It was illegal. Now all that's legal with NIL. So that advantage is gone to an extent, and I think that's something not enough people are talking about. So I think Auburn will be better, like you said. But uh, they're a long, long way from competing in the SEC. Mike, I know we're going away from division, so this will matter less, but I want to ask a, a divisional question here. Kentucky became the turd in the punch bowl for Tennessee and Florida and others, right, in the SEC East yeah. because they became a problem. They recruited to a higher level. They had a culture, and Mark Stoops did a really good job. 
I think Shane Beamer is becoming that proverbial turd in the punch bowl for Tennessee and Florida now. You look at what they're doing in recruiting. I don't know how great of a coach Shane Beamer is, but I believe in the guy as a CEO and a salesman. And he can recruit, and they're getting top-notch talent to South Carolina. And if you're able to do that, your coaching acumen matters less at that point. And X's and O's matter less because you can compete with the players you put on the field. Am I wrong in thinking that not yet, but South Carolina could become a problem for some of these otherwise top programs in the SEC East? Oh, absolutely. And I think you just look at what he's done on the field, and specifically last year, most impressive, I thought, snapping the Clemson streak, Tennessee streak, Texas A&M streak, Kentucky streak. I mean, these are not games you can overlook. These are not games that most coaches come in and, and win in year two. He did the same thing year one, beat some teams he shouldn't have. So I'm right there with you. I think they might take a step back this year just because I think they're a little bit weaker on the line of scrimmage that people are really paying attention to. They only got two scholarship running backs. I think they got the best receiver in the SEC in Juice Wells. But beyond that, I don't think they got a lot of difference makers at the receiver position. So, And I'm not very high on Spencer Rattler. He's just so hit or miss. If we get the Spencer Rattler we saw at the end of the season, South Carolina could be a special team. But I just we've seen him for three years. He kind of is what he is. Um, I, I think they'll make a bowl game, possibly another good bowl game. But uh, I, I think expectations should be lowered for this year. But you're right, the future, very bright, I think under Shane Beamer. Spencer Rattler in that Tennessee game was a combination of uh, Patrick Mahomes and Roger Staubach. I mean, it was unbelievable. I've never seen a better quarterback performance in one game than the way he played against Tennessee. I am not a big fan of Eli Drinkwitz at at Missouri. I I don't think that he's gotten the job done to any great extent, but I think he is going to be aided. We talked about NIL, this new Missouri state law that basically makes it legal for you to start paying guys in high school uh, through your collective as long as they go to an in-state school. Right. Missouri's got a great chance to get a pipeline going, get some NIL money going to kids in St. Louis or Kansas City or in Columbia, anywhere across the state, and build that relationship through some money and keep some of the top talent in Missouri. Is this going to be something that could end up saving his job with the Tigers? I think the only thing that saves Eli is winning on the field. I really do. Because whoever the next coach is, he's going to have that advantage too. Yeah. And and. They brought him in, offensive-minded guy, to fix the offense, to fix the quarterbacks, year after year after year. Every year he's been there, they've not got the quarterbacks resolved. That's on Eli. Uh, I, I understand the benefits of that NIL, but again, I think if they don't get it done this year, they should be one of the biggest surprises in the SEC. The next coach is going to take advantage of those NIL deals a lot better than Eli. So um, I, I love his character, his personality. He's going to be one of the the stars of media days here in a week. People don't uh, give him enough credit for what he does behind the scenes, but uh, I, I hope he does it because I want, I want him in the SEC. Is there any level of off-field issues, and I'm talking about Georgia now, that would make you concerned about the culture of a program until they start losing? And what I mean by that is all we've seen is success. Back-to-back national championships, zero losses for Georgia. Would it take an on-field loss or two for you to start buying into, hey, maybe they do need to look into all of these traffic violations and everything else going on with the program? <laughs> yeah, because that's all – I mean, that's – That's, that's what will do It's it. not unique to Georgia. It's, that's all the college sports, and specifically football in the South. Hey, we'll let you get away with uh, just about anything short of murder. You know what I mean? So 
that's the way it is. And you got to remember, this is a, a proud program that went 41 years without a title. They won back-to-back -back favorites to, to win a third. So, yeah, I don't think anything we've seen so far is going to derail them. And it, that's kind of sad to say, but I think it's the truth. And in some cases, programs will let you get away with murder. Just depends on how good of a player you are. Uh, Michael Bratton, we won't let him get away with murder. We'll let him get away with almost anything else. He's about to go grab a beer here at 6th and Peabody. Always a great guest of the show. Mike, thanks so much, man. Really appreciate it. Yeah, anytime. This is a treat. That SEC podcast, that is the podcast to check out, hosted by Mike Bratton. We'll take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to get weird. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. Friday is a good time to get weird. It's the weekend. Let the inhibitions go. Do whatever you want. It's time. Now, I would argue every day is a good day to get weird. And that's why we're doing this segment every single day now on Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow. I'm Chad Withrow. Michael McHenry, the Fort, special guest co-host today up in Pittsburgh. Davey Hudson, our producer, this guy scours the internet. He spends long hours looking under every nook and cranny, sometimes goes to the dark web to find the best stories out there to ensure that we are getting as weird as possible on the show. This is a change-up. Michael McHenry, as our guest host, knows a thing or two about change-ups. He's caught them in the major leagues. He's tried to hit them. This is our change-up segment where we go away from the world of sports and pop culture. Sometimes pop culture intersects with this, but we get weird. And now is the time to get weird. Weird. <laughs> oh, wow. Britney Spears. Name out your mouth. I, I love this video every time because I have no clue what's going to happen. And when I saw Will Smith walking up to uh, attack Chris Rock, I immediately got excited. Davey Hudson on with us now. Davey. What do you have for us today, sir? Well, Chad, as the video indicated, I mean, Will Smith's back in the news for talking about Britney Spears, but we actually, you know, we got into the uh, Wimby Spears or the Spurs versus Spears controversy from yesterday. We do have an update on that story, and I think we left off with saying that Britney Spears had filed a police report. We were waiting to see more on that. What we know now is that the Las Vegas police will not be filing any charges against the Spurs and their security detail. Uh, it is one of those things, as we know, Britney Spears has had traumatic issues before, and this is one where it just uh, it, it's going to keep going off. They both release statements. It just stays in the news. But, you know, anytime you can bring that element of Britney Spears in the NBA, you know, you got something there. And, I mean, it kind of leads me to my first question, which I think the NBA has the best off the court storyline say whatever you will about the product on the court but I mean I just and, and let, let's just talk about some of the top picks alone I'm gonna go through a list I mean Zion's got the drama with the porn star there might be a revenge porn element there one he can't stay healthy and he's on the Eddie Lacy uh China food uh <laughs> diet so that's that's a problem that's just from a couple <laughs> years ago you deal with John uh John Morant we've gone through that one ad nauseum 
Uh, Anthony Edwards, uh, he's uh, been in trouble before for making some remarks that were homophobic. He got fined like 40 grand for that. He's also, we just had a story about him up on OutKick about how he got his new contract. He's not going to let any uh, random women come near that money. And then Ben Simmons, he doesn't even want to play. And that's become a whole thing in and of itself. And then Kyrie Irving, I don't know what he was doing his one year at Duke, but he wasn't going to classes because that man lives on another planet. That's just a short list right there. Yeah, it's an exciting time during the offseason. The NBA offseason can be great. I really want, Michael, for both Wimbenyama and Britney Spears to capitalize on this, the fact that his security detail roughed her up. Uh, I want her front row in San Antonio in a Wimby jersey. I want this to become a thing. I want to have rumors of a much older woman with a much younger man and Victor Wimbenyama and Britney Spears romantically entangled now. I want all of it, to Davey's point. Give me everything with these two. Uh, the other Hopefully thing, they'll capitalize. Uh, the other thing about Wimby <laughs> not knowing who Brittany is, he's 19 in French. Like, he's not supposed to know who I, this woman is. That's so true. I mean, he probably has no clue. And she went up and tapped him on the shoulder like he didn't have a bunch of security around him. Where's her security? Right? She's been around a long time. She's been in the tabloids consistently. Where's her security? And honestly, guys, I'd rather see them go at it in Gladiator. Ooh, no, that would be good. Earlier, let's, let's American go Gladiators. American yes. Gladiators. Britney I'd Spears could be a female trip. gladiator. She could be like the zap of our time if she yes. put on a little muscle mass. Yes. I could definitely see that. Britney Spears also probably looked like that crazy lady on the plane that was making up people that she was seeing. I could see her approaching the security detail with the, in, in that sort of spirit. So I probably, you know, I'm not going to say that she deserved it, but she probably was asking for it to some extent based on her behavior when she approached him. Yeah, it's... I, I, I'm interested I love to see how he called it China food also, Davey. That was my it's favorite China, part of that. that. Exactly. Eddie Lacy called it. The China food. That's what he yes. called it. I'm not like... I'm just I'm saying, using his words. Uh, Michael, this next story, you know, this is... You know, sometimes this there's a method to the madness. Other times I just throw things together last minute. Uh, I'll let you guess which one this is. But last night I was at the gym and there was... A guy that is a stranger. I've never talked to this person before, but I probably see him three-ish times a week whenever I'm at the gym. And this guy just has the worst body odor ever. I'm, I, I don't actually see him coming. I am on the incline bench, and I guess I'm downwind. And, like, I had to re-rack the weights after that. And, and Michael, I know you have been in situations where you're obviously playing baseball in the hot summer sun, a lot of equipment. I'm sure things can get bad. But uh, when, like, and this is a question for the floor, when do you just tell a stranger they smell bad? This guy probably doesn't know he smells like this, but I know he's making everybody else's uh, time there at the gym uncomfortable and unpleasant. You, you got to do some recon. You don't want to tell the wrong person they smell bad because you don't know what the repercussions could be. So you got to make sure that you're picking the right guy to tell. But honestly, if I, if I smelled like absolute dog poo, I'd want somebody to tell me. I mean, I, I want somebody to be like, hey, man, you got a stench to you and you're ruining everybody's day. Please go take a shower. Go, go grab a soap, a bar of soap or something. Just lather yourself up. Cause that is awful. I you would, know, that, that's honest, you know, try to be the good guy in the situation, but they may snap. See, I would change gyms before saying anything. <laughs> I, I, w- I would, I would pay more money to go to a different gym. This is not the level of confrontation I want in my life to go tell a complete stranger that they smell awful. I will leave the area wherever they are. I'll vacate it immediately. And if that doesn't change the circumstances because this person always shows up to the gym at the same time as me, 
I will go to a different gym, even if it's 10 more miles away, before confronting this person at all. You cannot do this to a stranger. Now, if it's a buddy of yours, absolutely. You'd say, hey, bro, how about some deodorant tomorrow? How about taking a shower You know, more than once a week? You can give that person hell and shame them into smelling better. But you do not go up to an absolute stranger and tell them they smell bad. I, I would not take that well. No one would take that well. That's not a situation you should get in. Davey, I vote you leave the gym altogether before approaching this, this complete stranger and telling them they smell. Michael, I feel like you've got to be around, and maybe you were that player, given your position in Major League Baseball, of a guy that in the, in the locker room in the clubhouse just smells worse than everyone else. Oh, I can raise my hand playing sports. We all knew that guy growing up. That is like you didn't want to guard them in basketball practice because you knew what they were going to be working with. We had a guy nicknamed Skunk. Oof. Oof, that's a bad nickname. Yep. Bad nickname. Hey, we had, we had a guy in the major leagues. I'm not going to mention his name, but everybody knew he was a catcher. And he had a, he had a stench to him. And I felt like he got more calls because the umpire wanted that inning over immediately. <laughs> I mean, there is, there is some strategic game planning around this that you could play. But, hey, Chad, why not just, you know, throw someone else out there. Say, hey, go, go talk to the guy. See how he's doing. You know, see what's going on. And just try to throw some bones and see if you could actually – Maybe talk to this guy like a human being. I mean, you, you got to know if you smell that bad. I, I was very, very hyper-conscious about whether I smelled or not. I tried to take a shower every chance I got because, you know, I did not like body odor. Yeah, that's that's some uh, strategery, as, uh, as Will Ferrell would say. I'll um, let you know how it I, plays out. I think I might actually just go up to the management and be like, guys, like, <laughs> come on. You're, you, this is a bad situation for everyone involved. I don't know if this you guy You think the management would say something? Or they what they would do is probably send like an email to the guy since they have his information because he's a member, they're not going to well, approach him Well, I doubt either. they would do that seeing as they don't email me to let me know the gym shut down because of other issues, whether it's weather, plumbing, what have you. And if I don't look at their Instagram story, I have no clue. Got to follow that Instagram story. Wow. Got to be following them Instagram. <laughs> Got to um, follow Davey, or just play the long con and befriend mm. this guy. Like yeah. Ask him out for drinks after your workout. Or just talk to him in the gym. No, suck like, it up and spot him one time uh, and deal with the stench. And then, and then go grab drinks, sit on the opposite end of the bar where you're not too close to him. And then after a couple of like man dates, you can then work up the rapport with him to pass. break it to him that he smells bad. And then you would have done the dirty work, pun intended, for everyone in that gym. I, this is just my philosophy on life at this point, but I have enough friends. Like I, I, I've hit that wall where it's just like nope i'm good like i i need the people in my life that i need and we'll just go from there Davey, i'm with chad i think this is for the greater good i, I think you got to go in you got to plug those nose and, and get to work a couple mandates would be good maybe you can go get some china food like you said and and just see where it goes i'd, I'd like to hear a report on that maybe week to week see see if we can get the incline bench back yeah i don't want to be in an enclosed area with this person so i might just keep <laughs> it uh to where I, I i do befriend him and it's just like a gym friend we'll we'll leave it at that ali uh, in the youtube chat says if it's that bad he knows i would argue me. that people that smell this bad have numbed their senses to their own scent and they never know it's called going nose blind. I don't think that's a great way to put it. Nose <laughs> blind is one way to put it. I don't think they know. I don't think they, I think they're completely, they've smelled so bad for so long that they stop understanding scent. No, nose blind, as Davey said. I don't think they know. I don't think they could know. If they did, they would do something about it. 
I don't know. I'll let you know how it goes. Anyways, I got... Uh, Give us a follow-up on this next yeah, week. Yeah, so, so this one, um, it's pretty dark and sinister, Chad, to be honest with yep. you. But... Uh, well played. So... There is a psychologist that is warning against this massive red flag. And the reason this popped up is because I pretty much do this almost every single night. And it's, it's more of the idea. So there's a Dr. Thema Bryant. And My mind's going so many places right yes. now. Yes. Well, the anticipation's <laughs> killing me. Well, in you how really you, got my mind okay. wandering here, it's, Davey. It's how people unwind before they fall asleep. And in this mm-hmm. situation, it is actually watching true crime documentaries or TV shows where there is a lot of violence specifically based off real situations and real-life events. So what she said, if your idea of relaxing before you go to sleep is to watch these episodes of Law & Order or, or other like Jeffrey Dahmer-type murder dramas, I would encourage you to think about why that trauma is relaxing to you. And I, I just bring that up because this is just a personal problem. I, I literally fell asleep last night, saw the story this morning. I fell asleep last night, and I was watching uh, – it was like a documentary on the uh, Green River Killer, you know Gary Ridgway. Yeah, and it's just like I'm falling asleep. I'm aware of his work. They're listing some terrible events that this man or acts this man committed. Obviously, murdered I think close to 24 people that we know about. Um, and it's just like I just fall asleep like it's nothing. Now I will say I did work for a show that was involved in true crime, and when I say I'm desensitized, I, that is 100% true. I think of Russ Cole from True Detective. 14 straight hours staring at DBs. These are the things you think of. Mm-hmm. You ever done that? You look in their eyes, even in a picture, you can still read it. That type of stuff. That's, pretty good. It's pretty that's good, Russ. Well, pretty you. good, pretty good. Yeah. So, um, I, I don't. So here's the thing. I can understand getting desensitized to almost anything, and if you're watching fictionalized violence a lot, or you work in that industry, like yes, you would get playing a video game or whatever, or watching a lot of violent movies, TV shows, you get desensitized. What's strange to me is that you're watching true crime. These are things that actually happen. And they're telling the stories of things that actually happened. And what trigger goes down in your brain that then thinks, this could never happen to me. And that then where it relaxes you. Because then what I think is, most of the time, say, oh, that would never happen. Or this, that. No, this happened. Like you're watching about a serial killer that was real. And then that calms you in some way. I, I don't. I do not get it. I do not have that function in my brain that would allow that part to turn off. What about you, Michael? Well, I watch all this stuff and it keeps me up. So um, I, I'm bad the other way. But yeah, if it's desensitizing, you start maybe getting weird with the you know, family pet. You maybe should look in the mirror and ask some questions because that's kind of strange. And that may be a question you go back to the guy that smells, right? You may have to see what he watches before he goes to bed. Is he watching Wham? Or is he is he watching true Great true crime? Because that that will tell you a lot of maybe how he responds to you saying, hey, man, you smell like a bag of garbage. It, it always goes back to the guy who smells bad. And for me, before I go to bed, I am absolutely watching that Wham! documentary on Netflix. That puts me soundly to sleep. I don't have a single nightmare. I sleep through the entire night. And uh, I wake up singing Wake Me Up Before You Go-Go every single oh, time. That's it. how I wake now up you wake every up single morning. I'll continue to do that every single day. We'll continue to get weird every single day. Davey Hudson, thank you so much. Bringing the weirdest headlines from the dark web to us. We appreciate you. Are the Atlanta Braves for sale? A recent news story may lead you to believe that is a possibility. We'll have that story for you when we come back. This is Hot Mike with Hutton and Withrow.